0: My name is Chris Cunningham. I am the Connections student pastor here at the assembly. Um, I know many of you, you might not see me very often during this service. I'm over in the hospitality center preaching to our junior high students, and I absolutely love what I do. It's such a great honor to be able to speak into the lives of students every week, sometimes multiple times a week. Now, as Pastor Barry said, I will be tag team preaching this morning with Pastor Justin, our lead student pastor. And so I know that with that being said, I can speak on his behalf in saying that it is such a great opportunity. It's such an honor to be able to speak to you all this morning. I thank Pastor Ron for this opportunity. And uh, one more thing I'd like to say, those of you that are parents or guardians of any impact students, um, we cannot say thank you enough. We cannot do um, what we do without you. You guys, the way you support us, many of you are even leaders and so we just want to say thank you so much for each and everything that you do in supporting us. My wife and I, we've been here for around three months and we have been married for a little over a year and a half. I, I need to make sure I say that right, because last time in our newcomers class, I don't know what I was thinking, but I said we've only been married for a month. Hey, time flies when you're having fun, okay? That's, that's what I'm thinking, all right? That's what I know. So um, I needed to make sure I got that, because last time I was sleeping on the couch for about a week, and so um, I had to get that right this morning. But um, it is such a great honor, such a great opportunity to be up here before you all this morning. The title of the message we'll be speaking this morning is, Follow the Leader. Follow the Leader. If you could go ahead and pull your Bibles out and open them up to Matthew chapter 8, and we'll be looking at verses 23 through 27. I'll give you a few moments to go ahead and pull those out. That's where we'll be at for a majority of the morning. Now, as you're getting your Bibles open, flipping to Matthew chapter 8, I just want to give you a little bit of background and let you know what's going on here in chapter 8 Chapter 8 of Matthew is known for Jesus performing many miracles. In fact, that's probably somewhere along the lines the title of the chapter in your Bible. Jesus performs many miracles. He has, he has healed a man um, with leprosy. He has healed a man that is paralyzed. He healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law and many, many others. And right now, what we're about to look at is Jesus and his disciples going on a journey to rescue a man that is demon-possessed. So there are many great things happening right here in chapter 8, but before, before we even get into that, the five verses right before 23 through 27, 18 through 22, Jesus is talking to his disciples about the cost of following him. Because there is a cost, it's a high cost, it's what I like to call risky business. It, it can be difficult. It can be challenging. And I don't know about you, but I can remember it like it was yesterday when I gave my life to Christ. July 10th, 2002. I was wearing my red and white Scotty Pippen basketball shoes, my black Nike shorts, and my blue Orlando Magic Tracy McGrady jersey. Yeah, old school. Tracy McGrady on the Magic. And I just can remember everything about that night. I came in and saying the prayer. I can remember feeling so free, so changed my life completely. And it was during the summertime, so with that being said, I completely don't see student ministry just kind of shutting down during the summer. I gave my life to Christ in the summer, and we won't slow down here at the assembly and our student ministry either. Um, We're not taking a break. The enemy, Satan, is not taking a break. And so we'll continue to do our work and do our part. So anyways, I gave my life to Christ over the summer. And the next morning, I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I can remember waking up the next morning and actually feeling like a weight lifted off of my shoulders. And I know it sounds strange, but I can actually remember feeling that way. I felt ready to take on the day. I I was excited. I was happy. It was a little bit strange. I mean, I was so excited about the decision that I made for Christ. But with that being said, everything wasn't perfect. It wasn't just like, you know, angels would float me from one class to the other in high school. That would have been awesome though. You know, but uh, when I needed finances, you know, I needed something financially. It wasn't like, it would just drop from the sky into my lap. Things were not perfect now that I gave my life to Christ. There was, there was still a cost. In fact, many of my family and friends, they did not understand the decision that I made to live for Christ. Life was still challenging. It was still difficult. There were still storms in my life. But the difference between the old Chris and the new Chris is that the new Chris knew who to call on When the storm came. When the storms came, I knew who to go to. So, with that being said, let's go ahead and read verse 23. And I want to make sure that we don't go through this too quickly. I want to stop and look at some necessary things. And and I hope that you and I hope this encourages you in your Bible reading time to not just kind of speed read just to get it done I hope that you, you look at your what you've got to read and you read it intentionally and you understand what exactly you're reading and you're not just going through all this stuff just to get it done but you actually sh- slow down a little bit and see what it is and understand it and take it in and pray about it and so verse 23 says this then Jesus got into the boat And his disciples followed him. Then Jesus got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Well, they're getting into a boat that lets us know, obviously, they're going to travel by water. Now, that right there is already a bit uh, of of a little risk compared to just taking land. And I'll explain more as we move on. But this boat that they were in, it wasn't some, you know, hardcore big boat that maybe you'd see on Discovery Channel's deadliest catch, you know, it wasn't something like that, it wasn't a cruise ship, you know, all nice and big and able to handle some tough, rough waters, and speaking of which, just a side note here, um, I've never been on a cruise, and I've never been to Disney World, so I hear you can do both. If there's any of you in this service that feel led somehow to come up, And talk to me and let me know, hey, we can kill two birds with one stone get it done. It's summertime. Maybe some of you have already gone on a cruise. Let me know if you'd be interested. You know, you're going on later this summer. Hey, I won't argue, but you need to let me know as soon as possible. I need to turn in these vacation days, let Pastor Ron know what's going on, okay? So, seriously, okay? So, we're moving on. Let's move on. We've got that established. Come talk to me after service. You know what I'm saying? All right, so, this boat, it wasn't a big boat. It was a small boat. In fact, it was just a little fisher's boat, like, fisherman boat, probably just able to fit... Jesus and his disciples. It, it was just able to fit Jesus and his disciples. Nothing real big, nothing awesome. And then it goes on to say, and his disciples followed him. Now I love dictionary.com, so I just go there and look on there for terms. And in dictionary.com, the term follow means this to accept as a guide or a leader. Follow. To accept as a guide or or a leader. So, right here in the very beginning, Jesus' disciples they are, are, are accepting that, that Christ is their guide, that He is their leader when they step into that boat. They're putting their hope, their faith, and their trust in Christ. Now, verses 18 through 22, Jesus talks about the cost of following Him. It's, it's, it's pretty cool how that connects. Jesus is talking to them about the cost, the, the commitment it takes. And here they are, they're getting into this small boat, and they're getting ready to go across the Sea of Galilee. Now, verse 24 begins off saying, Without warning, a furious storm came upon the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. And when it says, without warning, I mentioned the Sea of Galilee, It is a pretty risky place to travel. It's 13 miles long, 7 miles wide, but it is 150 feet deep. It's 650 feet below sea level. And there are mountains that surround it. So what that means is, there is very little to no warning at all when a storm is coming over the Sea of Galilee. So these guys, they didn't foolishly go into a storm, it's not like they're like, sweet, let's do this, guys, we're going into a storm battle, you know, like, they didn't just do that, knowing that, but there was some risk, I mean, here they are, they're traveling in this small boat, it's the Sea of Galilee, a storm could come, and could really just get nasty, and we find out that it does, it actually says that waves swept over the boat, sometimes waves could be as big as 20 feet tall, in the Sea of Galilee, with, with the water conditions and, and just what's going on there, it could get real ugly very, very quickly without warning, without warning. You know, I'm so glad, as I said, my wife and I, we've been living here for just around three months now, and uh, I am thankful for tornado sirens and, like, broadcast interruptions on the radio and television, but I've got to tell you what, since my wife and I have lived here, we have never heard so many tornado sirens in these last three months, and we have in our entire life. I am from Houston, Texas. My wife is from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And so um, I'm surprised my wife even knows about a tornado siren, you know, like in living in Albuquerque. The only thing we had was a few hurricane scares, nothing too, too serious. But I'm thankful for them, but man, they, they kind of scare me a little bit, okay? I'm going to be honest with you. I try to keep my cool, but... Every now and then when we, we think there's a tornado coming, my wife and I and our dog will actually go over to Pastor Justin's house and just kind of hang out, you know, be, leave our apartment. And I can remember us sitting out on the porch and hearing the tornado sirens go off. And I was just like, oh man, like inside of me my heart began to beat like crazy. I'm just like, oh my goodness, whoa, like this is intense, man. Woo! I'm like, oh my goodness, dude, what are we doing? Like, I mean, that's what's going on inside of me. Outside, I'm just like... Yo, we need to go to the bathtub or something? What are we doing? (laughs) Like, you know, like, what's going on? But what freaks me out even more is the the broadcast interruptions. Just not too long ago, I was in my car. I just went down the street. It's less than probably half a mile. it went to come and go. And I got in my car, turned it on, and on the radio, it's like, warning, warning. Move away from all windows. There is a major thunderstorm in your area. Like, just a thunderstorm. I feel like I'm on a movie when that voice comes on. Like, I just need to punch the gas, go 90 down the road, you know, cruising through Broken Arrow. Like, get out of the way, everybody. This guy's on the radio. What are you doing on the roads? You know, I mean, it just scares me so much. I'm like, get home. I feel like I just need to go to the tub. Like, this guy's voice is scary. I'm, I'm not expecting him to get on the radio and be like, yo, 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 there's a tornado coming. Everybody get outside like 90% of you do and look at the tornado on your porch. You know, like, I know, I've noticed that. When I got to Oklahoma, everybody's like, there's a tornado? Let's go outside. I'm like, dude, let's stay inside, man. Like, that scares me. Why is everybody outside on the porch? You know, I mean, come on. So that, that just gets me a little rattled. So I can't imagine what the disciples are going through when it says, without Warning. How many times in our own life are we going through something that's very serious? Maybe some of you are in in here this morning and you can actually think of something. I don't want you to think about your neighbor sitting next to you or a family member that you think should be here or a friend. I want you to evaluate your own life right now. Maybe you're going through a storm and it's hit you without warning. Maybe there's something going on financially. Maybe there's an emergency, there's there is a sickness, disease in somebody else's life, and it's hit you without warning. So often, storms will come, and it will come without warning. The verse goes on to say that Jesus was sleeping. How he was sleeping, I, I, really, I don't really know. I, I, I know that, that Jesus... Is human though. I mean, he's sleeping. I mean, he needs some rest. There's a little bit that lets me know he's comfortable. He's confident. He knows everything's going to be okay. You ever have those nights where something has entered into your life and it's come, like I've mentioned, without warning? And you just can't even really sleep. You're just thinking about it so often. You have those sleepless nights. I know I've had many of those. Jesus, here he is, sleeping, resting, comfortable, knowing everything is going to be just fine. Verse 25 says The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Lord, save us, we're going to die. We're going to die. Save us, help us. You know, I don't think the disciples get enough credit right here in verse 25. Because we know that Jesus says in verse 26 that, that he replies, You have little faith, why are you so afraid? But you know, at least the disciples, they knew who to call on. When a storm came They knew who to go to When a storm came Without warning When it's blindsided you They knew who to go to Now the disciples You've got to understand They have witnessed many miracles On land And I spoke about that earlier Chapter 8 These guys they've seen a lot of awesome things that Jesus has done. But they had not yet seen Jesus perform a miracle over nature. This was their first time to witness this. And Jesus is saying, I am God over all. Not just the land, but God of the sea. I'm God of everything of everything, not just a small part of your life. I want to be involved in everything. I want you to to pray, believing, and asking for everything, not just what you think I can handle. I can handle the big things, the very small things that you think are just insignificant. I'm God of everything, over every storm, the disciples, they'd seen so many powerful things from Jesus. These guys were experienced. I mean, this was their first rodeo, I'm sure. I'm sure they have seen many storms on the waters before, but it had to drive them to a point to where they said, you know what? We can't do it, guys. We can't do it. We've got to call on the one that we know can calm this storm completely. Just like verse 26 says. That he calmed the storm completely. You know, sometimes in our life we can be just like the disciples and thinking, you know, like sometimes we we can just feel like we're experiencing this area though. Like we can handle this. We can do this. I'm a financial planner. I mean, come on. But what about when emergencies and surprises without warning type of things happen? When the sickness enters your body, when when, when something tragic happens to you or a loved one, do you surrender and call on the one who can calm the storm completely? I can remember as a young boy riding around with my friends on our bikes and we would play follow the leader. We would play this game so often. Follow the leader. It's where you have one person that is the leader and the rest are the followers, and they have to do exactly what the leader does on his bike. And we would do all types of crazy things to try to get people to go out. And you would go out if you could not do what the leader was doing. We would do no hand turns and like jump these really big curbs. We'd go down really steep reservoirs in Houston and all of these things, and we would try to get people out. But every time we played, follow the leader. Somebody would begin to argue, all of us would begin to argue, really, about being the leader. We all wanted to be the leader every time. It's my turn to be the leader. I want to be the leader now. Why is that? Because being the leader, it's easier. You don't have to follow and do everything the leader is doing. You just kind of go. You can take matters into your own hands. You can do whatever you want, really, when you're the leader. I think many times for us as Christ followers... We just want to lead. We, we want to be the ones that are in control. I, I want to do this. I want to try to figure this out. I'm experienced. I can do this. Let me figure this out. We need to call on the one that can completely calm the storm. Let me tell you. When Jesus is in your boat, you will not sink. You will not sink when Jesus is in your boat. He will make whatever storm you're going through completely calm. You just need to ask. You need to ask. I don't want to be the type of Christian that just prays for what I think God can handle. I want to I want to just rise up and pray Joshua-type prayers that that, that, that the sun could stand still and believe that Jesus can calm the storm that I'm going through, that I think is so big, because it came without warning. I want to call on Him. He's in my boat. I'm going to call on Him. Would you pray with me? Father, we love You. God, we thank You. Jesus, I pray that you would continue to speak to our hearts this morning and begin to change us and mold us and shape us. Father, in your name, amen. This
1: morning, there are some principles that we want you to take home with you. As you leave this place and you go back to the places where the storms are very real, or maybe even this morning as you are suffering under the weight of something that you're going through, we want to just give you some principles that will continue to encourage you to fight the good fight. And to continue and press on towards the mark that Christ has set in front of you. As Pastor Chris said earlier, he began to talk about the level of commitment that Christ has set. And and someone walks up to Christ and, and says, Hey, can I follow you? And Christ says, Yes. And he says, All right, let me go bury my father. Jesus looks at him and says, Let the dead bury the dead. And I think about the level of commitment that that requires, and, and, and I think about the teachings of Jesus and, and how he had done so many faith miracles. But I think about the level of commitment that the disciples had to have to be a part and experience the miracles that accompany Jesus' ministry. Over this last weekend, we left on Thursday afternoon after World Impact, and me and my wife and daughter headed to my hometown because we have these things called reunions. Now, for some of you, you have a close-knit family or you have a family that gets together, uh, good or bad as that is. I'm not going to give you my opinion of how family reunions usually turn out. But my dad, because of my dad and what he has instilled in me, I decided and made a choice to drive six hours to go take part in our family reunion. And I thought about the level of commitment that my dad has to keep the family together. and, And as we were going to the family reunion, me and my wife were talking about just just what that means in our own life. Because as even a Christ follower, and we have started out with our commitment to Christ, I, I grew up in my dad's church's meeting today with less than 20 people in their auditorium. In fact, it's not really even an auditorium. It's a simple little church. The very traditional Pentecostal background who is meeting this morning in a small West Texas town. And I think about the journey that Christ has called me on. You never know what Christ is calling you to when you commit your life to him. And, and as we begin to grow and as we get older, the more that we begin to realize, and standing in front of you is a 27-year-old man, father, husband. Me and my wife like to say that we're very old souls. Come from a small town where I'm a good old boy, uh, is what my dad would call me on his good days. On other days, I don't know what he would call me. But I I think about the journey, and I think about the disciples as they head out, and and you know, unexpected storms do happen. Without warning, as Pastor Chris has said, there's something that we can be sure of, and that is that we never know what to expect each and every day. As a dad with a girl who is almost two, I can tell you, every day is a new adventure. You never know what to expect when you get up, and and I love Paul as he's talking in Hebrews. He talks about faith, and, and, and looking at the days in front of you, he says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for. And certain of what we do not see. There's a fallacy among us who have a little... We're a little more seasoned in life or we're a little more mature in our years. And we look back and we look at the youth and we think, you know, life was so much easier when I was younger. And several times I've been guilty of saying the very same thing. And and I look back, man, if I was only 12 or 10 or those type of things. and, And then I remember when I was 12, I had very big issues when I was 12. Life has never been easy. And I don't tell you that so you can feel sorry for me. I tell you that because we all understand that, that life is never going to be simple or easy. Never. There's never going to be a day that we can wake up and know exactly what to expect, what we're going to face. When we walk out our door, when we face life and life confronts us, we never know how serious of an issue might arise. And I'm not telling you that to be fearful, I'm telling you that because there is a certain strength of knowing that Christ is truly on your side. When I look back and and I get into that trap, I, I begin to think of the saying that most of us have heard. It says, desperate times call for desperate measures. And I don't agree with that. I think that desperate times call for a deliverer. For a God who is able to cause us to triumph in any situation. If you talk about desperation, that, that just means that we don't have enough faith to trust in a God who sees our every situation. I look at the teenagers now and a lot of you are scared about the culture and the things that we're facing and society and all of those things. And, and you want to hold on to your children so tightly and, and, and you're just scared of what culture and how that's going to influence them. This morning I'm more scared of the influence of us as parents and as a faith family who aren't showing our students that there is a God who always causes us to triumph. I'm more scared of the influence that you have in your child's life because as you begin to look, if your child has an influence of a Christ follower, someone who is devoted to Christ, in a moment of crisis, they will not fear, they will not tremble, but they will stand confidently and say, I know in the faith of my parents and what they believed in a tough time, and I stand upon the same foundation that they stood upon. There is no culture that is going to warp the minds of our students in such a way that a Christ follower and a Christ-centered individual cannot overcome. Culture has always stood in conflict with Christ. It's not a new battle. Christ stood in the face of a culture that was very hostile to him, and he proclaimed the very words of truth and life, and they overcame. That's what scares me. It scares me that we think that the culture has more influence than us who are Christ followers because we're not letting our light shine in front of those that we have a chance to influence. I'm ready to see students, and regardless of whether you're 15, 50, if you're 75, it doesn't matter, we are a generational church that will come together to see that the message and the cause of Christ is proclaimed as many places as possible and as powerfully as possible. I love the scripture that my mom always says. She says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a love, power, and a sound mind. She used to repeat to me very often that fear is of the devil. I don't know if I've ever found that in the Bible, but my mom said it. And I think back about the heritage and the things that have been given to me. They weren't always right. My parents didn't always do what was perfect and pleasing, but my parents introduced me to a God who will stay on my side no matter what I face as a parent, as an adult, as a Christ follower, as a believer, as a pastor. They've given me fundamental, foundational values that I will still hold on to regardless of whatever culture, whatever time, whatever season, wherever I am in life, there is a God who is on my side, and my God will cause me to triumph. Another thing that I've learned is that your storm is your opportunity. Verse 27 says the men were amazed and asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. The word storm can be synonymous with adversity, troubles, problems, trials, struggles. Stephen Furtick in a book called Sun Stand Still, which Pastor Chris referenced earlier, he's a church planner on the East Coast, one of the fastest growing churches in America. He says in one of his chapters that the Chinese word for Christ is the symbols that make up that word are danger plus opportunity. Opportunity rises out of adversity. Faith is built upon the day-to-day struggles that God helps us to triumph over. There's nothing outside the scope of what God is capable to take care of, even in your own life today. We've looked at the story of leprosy that that happens in chapter 8. You see Peter's mother-in-law. You see illness. You see sickness. You see the demon possessed. You see the centurion where he says, send your word, Lord, and he will be healed. You see all these great testimonies of faith. And when you begin to look at that and you clearly communicate or convey Christ, chaos, crisis, and conflict are opportunities for our God to reveal himself to a lost, hurt broken, and dying world. Would we rather shine when things are great in our life? Absolutely. It's a lot easier to get out of bed when things are going well, but does car- Christ call us to rise and shine even when the storm clouds are rolling in? Absolutely. I think back of this last week, and there's many times as a student pastor, we begin to look at the process, we begin to look at the philosophy, we begin to look at the practices of student ministry, and we begin to say, are we effective? And we, and we try to do more, and we try to plan, and we try to process, and we, and we try to do all these things to evaluate where we are as a student ministry. And at times, it can be very overwhelming when you look at that. Because how is it quantifiable what God is doing inside someone's heart? And so there's several times on Wednesday night when I'll walk off this very platform and I will begin to wonder, God, am I being effective as a Christ follower for you? It's very easy to look at the temperature and everything happening outside these walls and begin to feel almost a sense of defeat as as you step away and as you begin to, to try and walk out following Christ daily. Just this last week, I... Walked off the stage, and and of course, as soon as I walk off, I begin to think, man, that that first point, it could have went a little better. I should have used this illustration, and and, and I should have thought about that. And, And as I'm walking off, my mind is consumed with those things, and my wife walks up to me, and she has some papers. So immediately, I'm thinking, there we go. We've taken another offering envelope, and people have been writing letters to their friends. I begin to automatically assume that there's going to be some conflict, and I go through this process of, of, of thinking, what parents am I going to have to talk to, how big is the issue, and, and I began to look through that, and I begin to notice that it, it is a handwritten stack of letters. And as I got home, I began to unfurl the pages, and I began to read the story. It was a personal testimony of a girl in our student ministries. And I began to read this story, and, and my heart began to break because I began to see the things that she had experienced and, and in, context, on, in context, I grew up in a pastor's home and so my, my parents, while they still had arguments and things, it, it really wasn't, it wasn't abusive. There wasn't any of those things and, and she began to tell the story of abuse that started when she was six years old. And my heart began to break because I can't identify with that story. I don't know how to minister to a kid who's been abused for the last 10 years of her life. You don't find it in a textbook. You don't know what to say when they walk up and they hand you this. And as I begin to read page after page and abuse and tragedy and just story after story of the terrible things that have happened to her and that she's been subjected to, as a student I began to get even more overwhelmed. I begin to turn through the handwritten pages and and I begin to read in, in the last page. She said, I thank God that he's kept me from any real harm or danger. Church, that's faith in a God who is able. She says, I thank him that he's kept me from any harm or danger. And I begin to realize that there's a God who's already ministered to her. That there is a God who has already arisen in her life. When she called on him, he stood up for her and he's comforted and he's restored and he's ministered and he's helped the brokenhearted. And that very same God who stood up for the disciples and said, rebuke the wind and the waves is the same God who stands this morning and will rebuke whatever storm you have in your life. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know where you're at, and and as you sit in that chair and you begin to evaluate and you begin to decipher where you really are, I don't know what that is, but I do know there is a God who is able. I stand confident and firm, knowing that just as Paul wrote, no matter where he was, in prison or other places, Paul was content. I am content and knowing that Christ is on my side. I'm not okay with everything that's happening. I'm not coming to terms with all of that, but I am content in my relationship with Christ that I know that whatever I face, I don't face alone. Wherever I go, I don't go alone. Whatever I need, he will provide. And wherever I am, he will help me to be the light. So this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you a few questions. God is truly able to take care of every need that you have. Are you trusting in him? This morning, if you would say, Pastor Justin, I'm not in a committed relationship with Christ. My commitments have been found elsewhere. And and this morning, I'm even struggling to have a relationship. But this morning, I want to know that Christ is on my side. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. right where you're seated, no one's looking around, just raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. This morning, I hope that you understand that as we follow Christ, He didn't promise us it would be easy did promise us that he would never leave us, that he would never forsake us, that he would go with us always, even until the end. i read many books to my daughter that at the end, I, I say, the end, and she shouts out, the end. As a committed Christ follower, there's no end to your relationship with Christ. Rest in that. This morning, I just want to pray with you, pray for you as, as we are dismissed. I just want to pray that God will be with you. The God will help you to see the influence that you can have as you walk out your relationship with him, that you would be able to help show others what it means to truly know that he is on your side. Let's pray.